In my extended family, pretty well everyone is quite comfortable offering prayer whenever they're asked to. No hesitation, no floundering or awkward navigations of words or ideas, um, theologies and philosophies. They just pray and they have complete confidence that in their efforts something significant is accomplished. I can't define what other than prayer changing the one who does the praying, like I mentioned earlier. And I do have some theories about the energetic influence of intention. Um, But I also believe that, I also believe that somehow, at some level, prayer makes a difference. There are a couple of necessary components. Um, One is the willingness to humble ourselves before something greater than us. Whatever it takes to do that. And the other is to move something out of our heads into what, uh, I think a Sufi mystic and a lot of other people are calling heart, but it's really something else. This is from Sufi teacher Kabir Helminski. And I'm reading from a book called The Wisdom Jesus by Cynthia Borgelli. We have subtle subconscious faculties we are not using. Beyond the limited analytic intellect is a vast realm of mind that includes psychic and extrasensory abilities, intuition, wisdom, a sense of unity, aesthetic, qualitative, and creative faculties, and image forming and symbolic capacities. Though these faculties are many, we give them a single name with some justification because they are operating best when they are in concert. They comprise a mind, moreover, in spontaneous connection with the cosmic mind, the total mind that we call heart. So they're talking, they, they use this word heart to represent something bigger than just your emotional makeup. Somehow, it's the part of you that has your deeper knowledge and insight. It's the part of you where your mind can be somewhat either short-circuited or transcended or, or expanded to the things that are beyond its capability to articulate or understand. Um, now for prayer you know all all these people in my family are great with that stuff but I have grown up I grew up in a Baptist church and I've told that story a lot lately but um, in that church they would occasionally lift up a verse from the 
Christian New Testament, the book of Mark, I mean Matthew chapter 6, where it talks about when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who want to stand up in the churches and schools and public squares and stand on the street corners and say their prayers in public. Go be alone. You know, and when you're by yourself, that which is greater than you, that, that um, sees you in secret will reward you openly, is the way that the passage goes. But that, but that was one of the things they taught me when I was growing up, and then I see this, this um, explosion of public prayer as I get older, and they don't share that teaching much anymore. I, you know, but, but historically, we cycle through popular texts in, in a Christian tradition and probably other traditions as well. I have more history with that one. Um, so anyway, I always feel a little bit out of my element uh, when I have to offer a public prayer. Uh, I get called on to do that way more than I would ever have thought. And it's not something I ever ask to do. <laughs> so what is a struggle for me is because usually I'm trying to be mindful of what other religious traditions might be represented in the group. The Christians, the atheists, the agnostics, the Muslims, the Jews, the pagans, the Buddhists, the Hindus, and whatever else. And I want to offer something that for me has integrity, but that won't just flat out be offensive to somebody else. So I, I struggle with it. Um, I often have the same struggle here with you because of your diversity. How to actually present what's my journey and try to be honoring of yours, even though most of the time I don't know half your journeys. I don't know that much about what brought you here or what you're looking for by being here. So what I thought was as a part of our Jewish and Christian heritage uh, study, I would bring uh, a familiar, uh, one of the more familiar Christian prayers to talk about a little bit. And the one I'm talking about is called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, depending on what tradition you come from. And I'm sure it has other names as well. But I'd like to step into it a little bit, walk around some. Um, we say as Unitarian Universalists that we are given at the door universal translators. We are supposed to be able to listen to other people's truth and begin to discern what's behind what they're saying instead of necessarily the words that cause us to react or that we have our own luggage for. Um, so with our Unitarian Universalist Universal Translators, <laughs> I want to consider some of this stuff. Now, in 12-step um, 
programs and recovery programs all over this area anyway. I don't, I don't know that it's true in all parts of the country. But at the end of the, of the meetings, very, very often, there is the Lord's Prayer offered. Everybody stands together, holds hands, and, and says the Lord's Prayer. And it's really, really common for people coming into recovery to not want to utter those words at all. They will stand and not speak. They will... Uh, some, for some, it may not be a, something that's familiar to begin with. And for others, the journey has led them away from that tradition and they're trying to make peace with things that, they, that won't allow them to participate. Um, but what happens over time is people begin to have a different relationship with the words that are a part of it. And the resistance to the language softens. It's not that it's not that they have gone back uh, to where they were, or acquiesced to something so so that they are standing there out of integrity with themselves, saying something that they can't stand with. It's that their their relationship with it has changed. Um, so in the, new, in the text, in the, in the Christian New Testament, there are two places where the, the Lord's Prayer is offered. One is in Luke, right, I mean, one is in Matthew, right after the part where Jesus is saying, don't play in public. And the other one is in Luke, and Jesus has been off by himself praying, and the disciples ask him to teach them how to pray, because John the Baptist teaches his followers how to pray. Well, this clearly demonstrates that Jesus hasn't voluntarily done seminars on how to pray and what to say when you do it. So, in either of these contexts, the feeling of it is that it's something personal, And what I would like to offer um, is maybe a line by line. Oh, oh, before I go there. You can find all sorts of things that call themselves acceptable translations of the original Aramaic for the prayer. And the language is beautiful. They do all kinds of poetic things with it. Um, there's some from the Maoris in New Zealand. Uh, and there are different things that talk about breath and talk about birth and that talk about um, water. I mean, there are all these different images that are used to build a whole version around of the Lord's Prayer. And there are things online that say these are all acceptable translations of the Aramaic. Then you can find other places that say, I don't mind if people pray these prayers, they're very beautiful, but if you think they have anything to do with the original translation of the Aramaic, you're sadly mistaken. 
And then they will say, and this is true, the only way to actually know what the language says is to learn the language well enough to be able to determine that for yourself. I don't know that many of us have a lot of motivation for that. <laughs> Maybe some of you already speak ancient Aramaic. I mean, there, there are different versions of Aramaic also through time. But, um, but so... When I was in circumstances, I, there were places where I couldn't say that prayer either. And now I'm absolutely fine with it. Because the words mean something different to me. And what I was going to do is go line by line and give you kind of a Unitarian-ish rendition of the prayer, if that's all right. Um, so the first line which is our father which art in heaven um, and I take that as you who I feel and find so many places most of which rest closer than my skin source of all that is and shall be parent of us all who are the very wholeness and perfection we have yet to come to understand or experience. That perfection part is the heaven. Hallowed be thy name is the next line. In humble reverence may the universe echo with honor and celebration for the unnameable, unsearchable wonder of your mystery. May we humbly acknowledge all that cannot be fully expressed or known. Thy kingdom come. We long for true, lasting peace, justice, and beloved community to come to be. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May the beauty and balance inherent in the micro and macro aspects of this unfolding universe be manifest in the world we humans affect just as it is in those things thus far beyond our influence. Give us this day our daily bread. May we be guided to a time in which the real needs for every day are met for all beings so that our bodies and spirits may be fed and filled. And forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us or as we forgive our debtors. 
May we finally outgrow our selfishness and smallness and learn the ways of deep forgiveness for ourselves and others we know one does not fully transpire without the other. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. May we also grow away from the domineering instincts of our lizard brains and toward the higher-minded and spirited characteristics of compassion so that cruelty and fear may fall away from us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We're grateful that all the laws of nature, the power that lies within and behind the expanding dynamic cosmos, all that is beautiful, worthy, meaningful, and glorious belong to one sacred, unified wholeness. And I have no problem saying amen to that. May it be so.